0: of Joshua, we've kind of, in the series, in, the series, in this part of, the, of Joshua where he's taking ground and taking land and advancing. He's not holding ground. He's not trying to stay put. He's not trying to hold the territory that he's been given. He's actually taking what God has given to him. And as a church, we're in a season of taking ground, of moving forward into what God has for us. And uh, what I want to do this, this, this evening is I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, at the at the leaders this week, I, I spoke to the guys about what it means to build well, and I'm a little bit feeling like maybe I should go there tonight. But this morning I spoke about maturity. How do what are, the, the 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 need if we're going to take ground to move into maturity? So let's have a look at one Corinthians chapter three. The Corinthian church is an incredible church. It has got the gifts flowing. There is connection with Paul himself. They see Paul as this kind of figure. they connected relationally with him. Uh, they are a people that are doing amazing things. There's incredible things. There's signs and wonders happening in the, in the meetings. There are all sorts of things happening in this church, and, uh, but it's still immature. We're going to have a look at that now. I just need to get back to my notes here because I've changed notes. Let's just. So if you have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to read and we will see how it goes. Brothers, I do not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. So he's speaking to this church that he has planted, and uh, he says to them, I actually can't address you as spiritual, I have to address you as worldly, because you're acting like infants in Christ. And... Uh, this church was meeting together in worship in powerful ways. This church was calling on the name of the Lord Jesus, it says in chapter one. This church was an extra, it was as extraordinarily endued in, in, with spiritual gifts operating, tongues and prophecy and all sorts, to the point that they have to actually rein these things in. Uh, they are wrestling with theological and ethical issues in 1 Corinthians 8 to10. They had personal contact with Paul and they were pursuing spiritual experiences, sometimes unwisely, but they were going for God. They wanted to encounter God, but Paul says to them, I can't address you as spiritual. I have to address you as infants. You see, all these amazing things that happen don't signify health or maturity in the life of a church. Signs and wonders are not signs of maturity. They're signs of a good God releasing His gifts as required to build up His church. We'll see here what Paul goes on to say. He says, I give you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. So I actually can't preach to you some difficult, challenging things. So often what we do is we look at these texts and we think, well, solid f- uh, food means greater truths, greater, more in-depth doctrines, the awesome mysteries of God. Commentators say this about these, these, these truths, these, this milk and, and solid food thing. They say this, it wasn't greater doctrines and greater expanses of the mysteries of God. Actually, solid food meant speaking into challenging situations where actually your behavior matters. So what he's saying is he's saying, actually, I can't get to the stuff where it actually starts to dip deep into your heart and challenge your behavior and challenge your thinking and challenge your attitudes because you're still acting like babies. You haven't, you haven't got this thing yet. You haven't, you, I, the grace of God hasn't gripped your heart yet. So I have to keep preaching the basic things of the faith. And so what he says, he says, For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are still worldly, he says, you're still worldly because there's still jealousy and quarreling among you. Amazing thing. He doesn't say there's not because there's gifts flowing amongst you. He says, the reason why I can say that you're worldly, yet there's jealousy and quarreling among you. There's, there's jealousy. You want what others have, and you're not content with what you have. And then you're fighting with each other. He says, these are signs of an unhealthy, mature, immature church. He goes on to say, are you not acting like mere men? You're acting like people in which the Spirit of God does not reside. You're acting like you don't have Jesus with you. you don't, you're acting as though Jesus is not resident in his temple. That's what he's saying, the way that you're behaving. For when one says, and he goes on now to, talk, to, to describe another reason why they'd be described as worldly and not spiritual, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? He says, as soon as you start to say, that's my guru and that's my guy, and I follow him and I listen to him and that's my teacher, and I don't listen to this guy, because actually what can he, and he's of a different group. Actually what you're doing is you're saying you're immature and, you, and you, you're acting like Jesus is not with you. You're starting to pick factions and pick fights. It's like in, in today's times, it would be like, "No, I'm somebody that listens to Bill Johnson and Bethel. That's my, that's my guys. Those are the guys, and, and uh, those are my and th- and other people are saying this. Actually, I want to listen to John Piper at Bethlehem. And we and we and because of this, we, we, we kind of choose and we create parties, and it brings church politics and politics into the life of the church. And he says, when you do that. When you do that, you are babies. You're acting like infants. He goes on to say, do you not know that you don't have to choose? Apollos is yours. Paul is yours. Peter, Cephas is yours. All of these are yours. Actually, what we're meant to be doing is we're meant to be learning from everybody, but applying it into our lives, into our context, into Durban 2019, and applying it for our city to have gospel impact in our world and in our city. We never ever, the church friends, was never meant to take what America is doing and do it in Durban. And nor was America meant to take what is happening in Africa and do it in America. America. Friends, we're meant to walk with God and hear God for ourselves, in our context, in our unique space, learn from everybody, understand, understand these things, but actually then put on the ground what God's calling us to do. That's what maturity and health looks like in the, in the, in the scriptures. Anyway, it carries on to say "They, after all, what, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom they came to you came to believe as the Lord assigned each his task. I planted. The seed, Apollos, watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. So he says this, he says, Actually, do you not understand that Paul, John Piper, or Bill Johnson, Or whatever name you want to fit into that is your favorite guy or girl. He says, Do you not understand that they are servants of God? They're not God, they're servants of God. Do you not understand they all have one purpose? That one purpose is to make Jesus' name known and make him famous, not themselves famous. He says, Do you not understand they are co workers, they are fellow workers. Do you know that God has given, if I want to use those names, or God has given Apollos to the church, and God has given Paul to the church with different assignments, with one purpose, to bless the church, to help build the church. And he says, do you not understand this? Do you not understand John Piper was given to the church to bless the church? Do you not understand that Bill Johnson was given to the church so that together they would be fellow workers in God's vineyard bringing things to maturity? We're never meant to make much of the people, of the preachers, of the prophets, of the... You're actually meant to make much of the God whom they represent. This seems so simple, but actually the church needs to hear this today, in today's days. Friends, this thing of celebrity preachers, celebrity preachers bless, they don't build. When a celebrity preacher comes in, what a amazing, wow. The crowd is amazed. When they leave, what's left behind? What's built? What's established? What's what's gathered? What's communal life? Where's the life of Christ? It's an amazing thing. He says, yeah, do you not understand that one plants and one waters? You know that the planter can't water and the waterer can't plant. You know you need both. He says, one will plant a seed and bring and inaugurate something, start something like evangelist. And then somebody else will come along and they water that seed. But there's only one person that brings life. The planter doesn't bring life. The waterer doesn't bring life. Only God brings life. Amazing, huh? So, what he's trying to say is he's saying, actually, don't, don't put your hopes in these people. Paul's saying this about himself. Don't put your hope in me. Put the one hope in the one that brings life. My job was just to water. Actually, Paul says, my job was to plant. My job was to tell you the gospel, and you became established in the gospel. Actually, Apollos' job was to water that and nourish that and nurture that so you begin to grow in the gospel. But ultimately, any growth that comes, it comes from God, not from Paul or Apollos. That's what he's trying to say here. Friends, in our lives, where where do we look for growth from? Friends, I want to I say to you, if you're not in this thing, the Bible, and you're not in the presence of God, being established in the presence of God, being established in His Word, actually you will not grow. doesn't matter how many preachers you hear. You see, preachers don't make you grow. Preachers are Preachers are the waterers. Ministers are the planters. But actually, God is the person that makes you grow. And you know what we do in the church, friends? Is that we go from one conference to the next, hoping for a moment in God where everything's going to come right. And then we get disappointed with God when that doesn't happen. You know what it's like? It's like we throw a... Somebody said this to me today, and I thought it's a great analogy this week. It's like we roll a dice, hoping for a six to land on the snakes and ladders board at a ladder so we can shoot up a few levels. Friends, it's like magic. Roll the dice quickly, and then all of a sudden we're going to be there. Friends, can I tell you what? When you're on a snakes and ladders board, it's wonderful to hit a ladder, but let me tell you what, you can also hit a snake. And so what happens is Paul's saying to them, he says, Listen, guys, this thing of maturity is actually about you following hard after Jesus, number one, and getting and sorting out your relationships because the health of a local church is not dependent on the gifts that are flowing in and through it, it's on the quality of the relationships. Is there quarreling and fighting among you? Is there unity in your relationships? Is there love in your relationships? Is there love in the house? If there's love in the house, the health of the house will grow. And that's what he's trying to say here. He goes on to say, and he says, uh, talks about building in verse 16. I'm actually going to do the building part tonight. I didn't do that this morning. He says, do not deceive yourselves. Uh, kind of don't, don't, don't judge yourselves by the wisdom of the world. Actually, judge yourselves by the wisdom of God. The standards of, the, of God are what we measure ourselves to, friends. You know what the wisdom of God is? Forgiveness is the wisdom of God. If we're living in relationships and we haven't got, uh, we're not living in forgiveness and our hearts are not pure, friends, that is worldly hold the grudge. It's like somebody once said, it's like you taking the poison and hoping the other person dies. See, wisdom means I've got to die to live. That's the gospel. The gospel, wisdom of God says, if you want to be first, you must be last. If you want to be greatest, you must be least. Everybody wants resurrection. I said this this morning as well. Everybody wants resurrection life. Do you know what you need to be to get resurrection life? Dead. Who wants resurrection life? I do. The problem is I'm still alive. I can't receive it. And what he's saying here, he's saying, actually, guys, what I want you to do is I want to take your eyes off the world. I want to take your eyes off the wisdom of this world. I want to put your, put your trust in the wisdom of God and begin to build well. He goes on to say in the, in the text towards the end of, of verse 16 and 17 and 18, he says, why are you choosing between these guys? they all yours. You don't have to choose. He then goes on to say, do you not know the world is yours? You know that the world, he says the world is yours, life is yours, death is yours, the present is yours, and the future is yours. You know why he can say that? Think about what Jesus is. Is the world's Jesus? Yes. Is life Jesus's? Yes. Is death overcome by Jesus? Yes. Is the present in Christ? Yes. Is the future safe in Christ? Yes. Because he goes on to say, if you have Christ, you have all of this. Friends, do you not, do we, if we understand, if we understand this, that the world is ours, we are going to inherit the world. We don't have to compete with anybody. We don't have to compare with anybody. We just get on with what God's called us to do. Do we not know that life is ours? Do you not know life, not just life, eternal life is yours? You know, you don't get eternal life from people, you get eternal life from Jesus and he says, life is yours I want you to grow up I want you to stop looking at things from a worldly point of view, as though the world was not yours, as though the world was not your mission field, as though the world was not something that you were going to rule and reign and into eternity I want you to understand that it's all yours live like it's all yours the world is yours life is yours, death is yours, that's quite amazing, death is yours what does that mean? Have you got life goals or life plans? You see, if death is ours, I want to ask you this about your life goal or your life plan. How far does it extend? How many years in front, in front of you does it extend? Because if death is mine, I'm not subject to death. I will transition from this life into the next one, but I'm not going to die because I've been made already alive in Christ. I have eternal life if you're in Christ. It means this, friends, that my life plan is 100,000 years to come. I'm planning for a 100,000 years' time. I'm planning now, I'm living now as though in 100,000 years, I'm going to be somewhere in God. I'm not just living and I'm not just planning for this life and for this time until I'm 70 or 80 years old and die. Actually, I'm putting stuff. Paul says, I want you to lay treasure in heaven. I want you to now live in such a way that you are depositing into your future life for 100,000 years' time, which is just a moment. There's still a million, 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 million into eternity years to come with Jesus after that. I want you to know death is yours. Don't live as though you haven't got it. You've got it. You're not subject to death. Death has lost its sting in Christ. Hope is ours in Christ. No matter what we're going through, no matter where we are, I want you to grow up and I want you to live as though death was yours. And death—that death doesn't have you. You have death. You're subject. You're not subject to that anymore. He goes on to say, and he says, the present is yours. Things in the present are yours. One of my greatest problems in life is that I never enjoy the present. I'm always thinking about the next. So I never, Heather keeps on saying to me, just enjoy the moment. That was a wonderful moment. Just enjoy it. Just savor it. But already I'm thinking, what's happening there? Now, if I understand this, the present is mine. Even if it looks terrible, even if it doesn't go well, even if it looks hectic, and friends, some of us have been through some atrocious, hectic things. I want to say to you in Christ, the present is yours. If you don't believe the present is yours and you don't believe death is yours and you don't believe life is yours and you don't believe the world is yours and you don't believe the future is yours, now what you're doing, you're insecure and you're fighting for position. And you don't believe that Apollos is yours and Peter's yours and Paul is yours. Actually, now we're fighting for position. We don't have to fight, friends. We've got it. We've been given it. The present is yours. It says the future is yours. Because all of these things are in Christ and you've got Christ. So all of these are yours. I want you to grow up, he says. Stop being infants. Stop being babies. Stop being fleshly. Stop, be, stop trying to achieve through your own Strengthen your own gains, actually just understand it's yours and begin to live like it's yours. But he asks this incredible question, friends, in these verses from 10 to 15. Verses 10 to 15. Let me go back to those notes now, if I can find them. He says this, He he talks about Apollos and Paul, and and one is the servant, and there's one purpose, and he says, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. So what he does, he's talking this agricultural term, and then suddenly he shifts to an architectural term. So he goes from field, and then he goes to building, and then he goes down and he says this, for we are God's uh, 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 building. Verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Is she going to do it on this, iPad? as an expert builder. See, Paul understands this, friends, that for something to last, you've got to build well. I was saying to the leaders, uh, uh, one of my first weddings that I did, I wrote a, I wrote a poem, a, a thing around the three little pigs. Mark von Pletsen, for those that know him, when he got Candace, I, I, I gave them the three little pigs story. And in the three little pigs, you know the story of the three little pigs, there's a the big bad wolf coming. And in the three little pigs, one, 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 this little pig built his house with straw, that one built his house with sticks, and the other one built his house with bricks. And this one gets charred, they puff and the puff, they blow the house down. This, that piggy runs to the next one, they puff and the puff, blow that house down. Next one goes to the house with the, with the bricks, and that one stands. And the moral of the story is, if you want a marriage that stands, don't build your house with straw, and sticks. Build your house with something substantial, because when you build your house with something substantial, you become a refuge for others to find hiding in. And that's the kind of marriage you want. I really feel like God wants to minister to some marriages tonight. When I was preparing this morning and and tonight, friends. Jealousy and quarrelling, baby, babyhood. If you're in a marriage of jealousy and quarreling, or if you're in relationships and friendships where there's continual jealousy and quarreling, Christ is not there. Just putting it out there. That's babyhood. Grow up in Him. Death is yours. Life is yours. The present is yours. The future is yours. The world is yours. Everything you want or have, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, it says in Peter. We have everything. Why are you fighting? You have everything. Why are you jealous? You have everything. Why are you comparing? You have everything. Why are you competing? By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. Friends, when we build something, when you build a business, when you build a church, when you build your life, Is it transferable to the next generation? Because you see, what Peter says, what Paul says here, he says, actually, I'm building in such a way that what I build is transferable to the next. Actually, somebody else can come and build on top of what I've built. You see, this is what maturity looks like. It looks like I can build in such a way that I'm not thinking for myself, I'm thinking for generations. I'm thinking for my children and my children's children. Friends, jealousy and quarreling, it's for you now. Love and compassion for your children's children. He says, Yeah, well, can can somebody else build on this? Can somebody else can we take this thing and let somebody else build on it? Because I'm building as an expert builder, he says. Each one should be careful how he builds, he says. Are you careful how you build your life in Christ? Are you being careful how you build? He says everybody should be careful how they build. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ, Jesus Christ. So we know this. We don't determine the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the presence of God. And that word foundation is a specific word that gets used there. And the second temple, there was the place that the Ark of the Covenant rested, and it rested on a little plinth that was a few inches high. And commentators say this. They say when he talks about Jesus Christ as the foundation, they're saying Jesus Christ is that little plinth in which the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, sits. And I want to challenge you is Jesus your foundation? If He's not, jealousy, quarrelling, looking to people for your love and for your your appreciation and for your adoration and for all your father needs, rather than God. If Jesus Christ is not your foundation, immature. We've got a tendency towards immaturity than towards maturity. He carries on, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw his work will be shown up for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. You know this is quite hectic, this is, this is, this is solid food. So don't be like this is solid food. Not milk, solid food. Do you know how we have lived our lives, how we have built our lives, will be tested with fire. What is not of God will be blown away, and what of God, what is of God, will stand. And He says, "If everything that you've built, you built, oh, let's go there. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved." but only as one escaping through the flames. Friends, it matters how we build our lives. Either it goes up in smoke on that day, or there's something of substance there that we carry into the next life. And he says this, he says, be careful how you build. What materials are you using to build your faith? What materials are you using to build your family? What materials are you using to build your marriage? What materials are you using to build your business? What materials are you using, friends, to build? Gold, silver, costly stones, or wood and hay? You know that wood and hay don't do well in fire. But gold and silver do. And what he's exhorting us to is he's saying, actually, I want you guys to grow up. And I want you to come to a place where you actually prioritize how you build your life. How you parent your kids. Because actually, either it's going to last and either it's going to be generational or it's going to actually amount to nothing. And it is a radical break up call for us, friends, because we be- we're living in this kind of Father Christmas God who is just all happy and drinking Ednog. We have a Father in heaven who's got a plan and purpose for his sovereign will that he's put in place, a sovereign will and plan that he's got in place. And friends, he's asked us to partner and called us to partner with him in that, and it matters how we build. It matters what we do and how we talk and how we build. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? Anyone who destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is is sacred, and you are that temple. You see, what he, got, what he finishes off that little part that text in verse 16, he says this, Do you not know that you, the church, are God's temple? There are other texts where he says that I am, you personally, are God's temple. This particular text, he's not saying you personally, he's saying you plural. You together form the temple of God in which my presence comes to dwell. And he says this, you are the temple of God. And do you not understand that when you act with immaturity, with jealousy and strife and people promoting at the expense of God, actually what you're doing is you're destroying the church. You're destroying the temple of God. And actually God sees this church, this this group of people, as a sacred group of people that he looks after and protects. Watch out. This is not a lot. This is not kind of super move stuff. This is this is solid meat, he's, he's talking to these guys. And he's saying, actually, guys, you the way the way you're living is actually not going to take an inheritance. The way you're living is not going to be, it's not going to be a maturity that's going to step into more and more and more of what God's got for us. And you know what? The, the, the journey of to maturity is one, it is a journey. So actually, as we step into into the land and as by faith actually we grow, we have to grow but actually to take steps we have to grow so it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing but what he's getting on here is he says I want you to grow so friends I want to leave you with a few things here of how we're building, how do you build how do we build our faith how do we build the church, how do we build what are some of the key elements of building One of the first things we've got to realize is this. There is only one thing that Jesus is building according to the Scriptures. And what is that thing? The church. Jesus is building the church. Jesus is building His people. People get saved, people give their, put their trust in Him, and they get put into a community. They get put into this kingdom eschatological community that works its life out, that lives its life out, that represents God, that people become into and come to see and say, who are you people? This group of people that influences cities and changes nations. But friends, there's one thing that Jesus is building, and that is His church. It is a church that influences it, a church that looks after the poor. It's a church that looks after each other. It is a church that influences cities, but it is His church. What is this thing that we are to build? Well, the first thing you know, it's got to be on the foundation of Jesus. We've spoken about that already. The next thing we need to understand, this building, any building work is hard work. This doesn't come with out getting a couple calluses on our hands. We understand this, any building work is messy. So it's not neat and simple. You get a bit dusty, you get a bit sweaty. It's hard work, friends. Building well is hard work. And Paul says, I want you to grow up so that you understand that this is hard work, but it's worth it. Because it's eternal, and it brings a smile to my face and God's face. Pleasing crowds... You see, we can, we, can, we can build a church where we please the crowds or we make disciples. When we please crowds, we build nothing. When we make disciples, we build generations. Do we live our lives pleasing people or following Jesus? If we're building materials, if the materials of our life is fear and anxiety pleasing people, we will not build anything, friends. God wants us to grow up And step into pleasing Him and following Him. What are some other building materials that we need to do, lose, and use? Growth versus health in the life of a church. You see, healthy things grow. If we go for health in the life of the church, it will grow. If we go for growth in the life of the church, and you can, you can do things to make things grow and special, special, but it doesn't mean it's going to be healthy. And the same thing for our own life, friends. Are we putting into our lives things that will bring health to our families and health to our marriages so that they will grow and go from one generation to the next? You see, we want to build something that lasts. What about this, which is what Paul touches on here, Apollos and Paul and Cephas? What about building, according to celebrities... You know, friends, we are, and especially now we're coming into August, we, the churches goes into, into conference mayhem, mayhem, just like one conference after the next. And friends, we move from one conference to the next, hoping like the snakes and ladders that we get a boost. But actually, actually what God has designed in the life of a church, that he would speak to you, that you would find your health and your growth in him because he is the only, thing, only person that can bring growth to you, and that out of that place you will help others grow and find health. See, God hasn't actually ordained to to really build well. Celebrities don't build well, friends. They wow the crowd. But ordinary radicals, you and me, people like you and me, with the presence of God in them, that have a heart to live for the blessing of others and not just for ourselves, friends, that's what builds the church. And that's what will build your life and your marriage. You see, you go to one marriage course after the next, but you never get real with Jesus. Jesus. Never get real with Jesus. Won't build anything. What ends up as friends, our Christianity is a mile wide and an inch deep. And so one of the greatest lacks in the church today is there's no depth. There's no depth to be able to take a load, to be able to carry something, to be able to a foundational thing that can take a building that three, four, five, ten, twenty stories are. And God, for some of us, God has called us to carry load and to lead people and to to lead organizations and to do stuff in the kingdom through him in the kingdom of God. But we need depth to be able to do that. Not width. Not just width. So conferences versus community. Friends, we ought not to go from one conference to the next. We ought to build communities. Healthy communities where there's no jealousy and there's no quarreling. And there's no putting people on pedestals. Actually, we understand that we're all in Christ and we're all servants of God and we all got our part to play. And it's amazing that he says, and each one will be rewarded according to his labor. Amazing, he doesn't say each one will be uh, uh, rewarded according to his fruitfulness. You see, we live in a Western culture where actually we're judged on production. Actually, God doesn't judge on production. God judges on, have you done what I've called you to do? Have you, wa- have you planted that seed? You know that when you plant the seed and you walk away, you plant the seed by faith. When you walk away, you don't know whether it's going to grow or not. But he says, Actually, I see your labor in planting. I'll reward that. And the person that waters, he's going to come and he's going to water that thing into life. And I see your watering. And I see your watering. When you're watering that thing and you walk away, you don't know if it's going to. You just know there's a seed there. I must water it. And I'd to be content that actually I just do that, keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that. Actually, the kingdom of God, it grows even when you're sleeping. It's like, a, it's like this thing that grows and comes out. And he says this. He says, actually, I'm going to reward you according to your labor. Just do what God's called you to do, and you will be rewarded for that. Because your, the fruitfulness of what you do might only be evident in 50 years' time. And you, maybe you will never see it but He does. Don't ever be discouraged, friends, when we are plowing ground and we are doing the hard work and we think, what are we doing this for, Lord? If it's what God has told us to do, friends, number one, we'll have reward, and ultimately it will be fruitful. What about one or two others here? Ministry versus maturity. If we are going to build well, we've got to be those that come to maturity, not just learn to minister. We've got to be, we've got to be, it's, uh, the, Bible, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, gifts are given to the church to bring people to maturity, that they can minister, they can do works of service. But it's works of service so that the church may be built up and come to full maturity. It's not just maturity, it's ministry. Not just ministry, it's maturity. Everybody wants to learn to prophesy, but can we found our lives on Jesus and walk with Him in the ordinary and the mundane of life? Because most of life is not fancy. Tuesday comes along, for us Wednesday comes along, and I've got to take the rubbish out on Wednesday morning and put it in the front of the garden. And Matthew pretends he's sleeping when I go past his room, so that I don't wake him up to help me. <laughs> and in, and and summer in Durban, and summer in Durban is hectic with black bags. There's just white things crawling all over there. But you know what? I can say, well, you know what? I don't do that because I prophesy. See how that works for your marriage. You see what I'm saying, friends? Actually, it's everyday life. We follow Jesus. We walk with Jesus. We put the rubbish out. We put the other stuff out. We serve each other. We serve our wives. We serve our kids. We do what we're called to do. It's not just ministry. It's maturity. Moments versus processes. I've alluded that, to that already with snakes and ladders. Friends, moments are incredible things when we have an encounter with God. But the real work that ends up coming, friends, after that encounter, is you walking it out with Jesus in everyday life. Moments and processes, not moments or processes. There's the processes of God that we've got to learn in maturity to find our way through. And you know whether we get tested the most? is in jealousy and quarrelling, comparing with each other, competing with each other, thinking cheap as that guy's got a church and that guy, look, I wish I had that and that. No friends, God, and Him for what we've got, my family, but that family's got so much money and our oh, kids can go to that school. And what about us, Lord? It's not fair. Friends, grow up. Kingdom is not fair. The kingdom of God is not fair. God is not fair, friends. God is righteous, and God is just, and God is right. He's not always fair. It doesn't always seem fair. We don't have a big enough picture to see whether it's fair or not. Be careful how we build. Short-term success versus generational blessing. You know we can win a short-term argument and lose the long-term war. Short-term success at the expense of generational blessing. Friends, I hope we're getting into our hearts. Maturity, one of the marks of maturity is thinking about generations, our children's children. And my behavior in the present determines how my kids are formed, which determines how my grandchildren are going to be formed. And I know it's not just me, because there's the grace of God And his parents. Thank God for the grace of God, because we mess up so much. But, friends, we've got to be trying. We've got to be pressing towards what God wants for us. Are you building with costly stones or straw and hay? If we build with cheap materials that cost nothing, nothing will last. If we build with materials that are precious, that are costly... It costs us, most of the time it will cost us, friends. Most of the time it will cost you. But friends, when that goes into the ground, it lasts for generations. Because God is good. And I want to encourage you, as that text says, but each one should be careful how he builds. Everyone should be careful how they build. And Father, I ask you tonight. This is such a tough text. We want to take ground, Lord. We want to move into what you have for us. We want more. We want more of you, Jesus. We want to encounter you more. We want to know you more. We want to experience you more. Father, we want to have more of you, Jesus, in our lives today than what we had yesterday and more in our lives next week and what we have today. Father, we want more of you, Lord God. But Father, we do want to be careful. Help us to be wise, expert builders. Help us to be wise, expert builders in our marriages, in our businesses, ask you, Lord God, some plant and some water, but only you bring life. And I pray that you would bring life, Lord. I pray you'd bring life to marriages. I pray you'd bring life to our our children. I pray you'd bring life, Lord God, to our businesses. Bring life, Lord. We're trusting you for life. It's by your grace, Lord God, by your loving, generous kindness that you want to be with us, Lord and you want us to be with you. And We want to use those moments, Lord. I want to say thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Father, we're wanting to step into more. Help us to grow up, Lord. Help me to grow up, Lord. Help me to stop the wrestles in my mind. There wasn't that many people, and what did this person say? Father, please get rid of that stuff in me. I want to live with the fear of you, Lord God, not with the fear of people. Help us, Lord. We ask you, Father, for your amazing, amazing, amazing grace, Lord God. We want the solid truth. We want to to eat solid food, Lord, that will help us grow strong. Give us the solid food over this next season, Lord God, that we can be strong and mature, Lord. And we can grow up, Lord, into all that you've got for us. And take the ground that you've given us. And bring glory to the name that is above all names. And represent you well. Be ambassadors of your kingdom. I pray in your amazing name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Lord.